passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey everybody, this is Wei Ting here, and for all of you guys on the free feed, we have decided to upload this past weekend's edition of Collision Course, our new AEW Collision Review with John Ceno and Kate from Montreal taking you through AEW's brand new two-hour Saturday show every single weekend. This past weekend, of course, talking about Joe versus Punk. So if you guys like what you hear, consider signing up at postwrestlingcafe.com for $6 a month, where this weekend we will not just bring you Collision Course, not just Rewind a Smackdown, but it's the start of the G1. So that's that is a brand new podcast for every single edition of the G1 all throughout July and August. $6 a month, postwrestlingcafe.com. You are on a collision course. Indeed, on a collision course. I am John Ceno. This is Kate from Montreal. How are you Hello. doing today? Doing very well, thank you. Yes, very happy that I live in an air-conditioned place right now. Yeah, the heat has been pretty intense here uh, the last couple of days or so. I had to get my AC installed and everything, and my cat doesn't know how to react to it. It's his first time in the AC, and he's like, what is that noise? Why is it so cold? Where's the blanket? So I have to make mm-hmm. sure he's like, He's nice and cozy under the blanket right now. Um, but yeah, we are here for uh, week number four of Collision, as well as Collision yes. Course, of course. And um, yeah, how do you feel about Collision, the week four? I mean, it's a, a lot more hype than usual with the, yeah. the Joe and Punk match, you would think, right? I think so, yeah. Definitely this week felt way more stacked than last week, which I guess the response to was mixed. It wasn't so mixed on this show. I think we were both kind of down on it. Uh, this was absolutely an improvement in every way and uh, we'll get in we'll get into it but just a much stronger showing and perhaps a sign that on weeks where they think collision is likely to to suffer a little because there's a wwe pay-per-view the same day even if it's not conflicting in terms of time or because they are airing on a tape delay they uh that they might not be stacking these shows as much as they normally would. I'm trying to remember, because they did have a couple of times when Dynamite got bumped around, but I don't recall them sort of scaling down the card very much. Um, This was very early on, though, so I I might be remembering it uh, a little uh, little wrongly. Yeah, what do you think? It should be interesting this week as well, especially for 
you know, watchers of indie wrestling, because you have a pretty big GCW show that's going head to head. It's an East Coast show that's going head to head with this. You also have MLW having their first like live pay-per-view that's also on Fight. So both of those shows are available on Fight Plus. Mm-hmm. So if somebody has Fight Plus, they can watch either one of those shows, right? Instead of watching Collision. So that's that's it should be a curious um observation exactly on like what people chose to watch today. Uh if they chose to watch Collision on DVR. I've been hearing that Collision's been doing pretty well as far as DVR numbers. So I wonder if that's like the route, especially with it being a Saturday night, is obviously. It it has done well on DVR numbers. I think um that's expected on a show that that airs on a weekend and we're we're all kind of the moving around uh blind here because what we don't really know is what the expectation of the uh of the network is and that's how this lives or dies the one thing i would say is D- dvr numbers aside what you have seen is a precipitous drop in viewership over three weeks. And that's not good. I think it's very difficult to spin the the number, uh, especially in the demo from last week as in any way positive. It will be it will be interesting to see like I feel as if this one must have is going to go is going to go up and probably significantly. What I will be very interested to see is that demo number because certainly this entire thing was built around Punk and Joe, which is a match that's appealing to a lot of people, but it's appealing to a lot of people who are a bit older. And so this may drive viewership up. How much will it affect the demo? Now, that's not to say that the people who are interested in this match are all senior citizens like I am, but you do uh, get a sense that a lot of the younger viewers are not going to be as familiar with the rivalry that existed between Punk and Joe. So we shall see. And last week was a taped episode, so we were technically taped. But with this being live, we are technically live as well. So if you have any feedback, make sure to leave it in the post forum. Uh, And we will be taking callers at the end as well. So if anybody wants to give any feedback on today's show, on Rampage, if you happen to watch MOW or GCW, go ahead. I'm not sure if you care about spoilers, Kate. I don't really care. I'll probably be watching both of the shows later on tonight, tomorrow. So it doesn't really matter too much to me. But if you want to talk about anything major that happened in any show today, uh, let us know. But we will go into Collision. This is live from the Brant Center in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. Can't remember the last time I've seen a wrestling show in Regina. I'm pretty sure WWE has been there before, uh, but it's not really uh, a wrestling town. I guess if you want to start naming the top 10 Canadian cities, I don't think Regina comes to mind. I can think of one that would land ahead of it that they're not going to. Although they did, they, they did uh, is not announced for sure yet, but apparently we are getting an AEW show in December because right. if you're going to Montreal, why the hell wouldn't you come in the, in the middle of winter? <laughs> I, I saw that and it was kind of interesting because it said a collision and ROH would be taping on Tuesday and then Dynamite yeah. and Rampage would be on Wednesday. So it's a little backwards, but hey, as long as Montreal is getting AEW, I can't can't really complain too much. The issue with Montreal is, and this is, I think, you know, I, I've been very salty about their decision not to come here or not to hit any other Eastern dates uh, during this tour. The issue with Montreal is that there aren't that many venues they could book, and these venues are often booked far in advance. Like certainly, the dates for this tour, they could not possibly have gotten a, an appropriate venue in Montreal because things have been booked. We have festivals running all summer. It's kind of our thing. You have the Jazz Festival, the Frank Folie. Uh, you have, uh, so both venues and hotels would be very, very difficult to come by. Um, I think that perhaps the dates that they're taping may also play into that because just 
for a city this size, uh, a city of, I think it's, the, it's about 3 million all told when you look at the, the Montreal, the sort of metro area, uh, show venues uh, are few and far between. And there's basically two that they could run. One is quite small. And then apparently they're running the Bell Centre, which is a very large one. Some the people will know it. it. It's where Elimination Chamber happened this year. So that said, not too sure about Regina. And certainly you have everywhere in Western Canada, you're going to get the tie-in with the hearts. Um, not as much so as you will next week in uh, in Alberta, but you're going to get part of that. I don't know. I, I think WWE has gone there before. I don't think they've gone there often. Now, I didn't check what the final WrestleTicks number was, but... Uh, I did see that like WWE, the last time they went there, didn't draw all that much more than AEW did tonight. So it's it's not a city where you're going to get a huge crowd. I mean, it's not a big it's, it's not a big city. I'm looking right now. It looks like they went there back in 2022. But before then, there was like a couple of live shows back in 2011, 2013, and then some yeah. superstars tapings way back in 1995. So they definitely have gone there. It's just it's not a, a common place for them to to go to. But we are going there today, and the show starts with one of my favorite parts, which is like these old-school promos. But this one has a nice little touch to it, because right at the very end, Punk is like, you know what? I want to talk about this. I want to talk about it right now. And he heads right to the ring. So if anybody had any doubts about waiting too long to see or hear from CM Punk, we get it right here to start the show, which I think is pretty smart for anybody who might have decided to watch something else tonight. It's like, oh, wait, hold on. Punk is going to talk now? Let me uh, see what he's going to say. So he heads to the ring. He grabs the mic, and he says that, there's a big match tonight. He doesn't want to take up too much time, but he talks about the history between himself and Samoa Joe and starts talking about how this is the heart stampede country. This is the biggest match of his career. And if Joe kills him in a, in a dream, he better wake up and apologize. It feels like the finals of the tournament, but if it was the finals, he'd be looking past powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks. He said it's been 18 years since he's been in the ring with Samoa Joe. He has missing teeth. He has scars because of him. Somebody in the crowd says he's still, he's still pretty, which Punk agrees with. Uh, there's no name that's bigger than either one of them. There's one name that's bigger than either one of them, and that's Owen Hart. And he wants the crowd to start chanting Owen's name, which they do, and it's a constant thing through the night. I think it was really smart that he went ahead and kind of placed this in the, in the mm-hmm. crowd. So I'm pretty sure they would have done it regardless, but the fact that he kind of gave him an incentive to, it was a, a common re- recurrence with the Owen chants. He said if it wasn't for Owen Hart, a lot of the locker room would be empty, and he might not be here right now, and none of them will be here if it wasn't for Owen Hart. He starts talking about how he's a hockey game, a hockey guy, and he knows he's not supposed to touch the cup, but he's not superstitious. He walks under ladders, and he will because he deserves it, and he will earn it. He won't promise a victory, but he thinks that he will promise uh, that he will pour his heart out until there's nothing left to give and leave everything in that ring for everyone here and everyone sitting at home for Owen. Nice promo to start the show. Definitely got people, you know, in, you know, if they're not interested in this match already, this would definitely give them incentive to. How did you think he started the show? Uh, nice is the operative word there. I thought that he delivered it very, very well. He has an, an ease with an audience that almost no one else uh, in the industry does. I, I have to say, I didn't really like this kind of almost cloying, as you said, it, it was nice. It was, it was, it was punk without his edge. He was just, yeah. you know, this is not the and look. I'm not saying, of course, you want someone to come out and do the acknowledgement for Owen Hart. You're getting into, as I said, Hart territory by going into the prairies. And smart of them, they know they're going to get the Owen chance. So let's let's see right off the bat, like we are behind it. We want it to happen. But this 
Probo just didn't seem to fit with Punk's character. And I guess clearly uh, while they may have been leaving a little bit of ambiguity early on in terms of whether Punk was going to move forward as a babyface or a heel, they seem to have in the last week or so reverted to him going full on babyface where he came in to sort of stand up to Samoa Joe last week uh, when uh, he beat down Roderick Strong. And certainly this promo is just classic, pure white meat babyface. But Punk himself is not the white meat babyface. He's always had a bit more to him. So I thought the promo was very well delivered. But coming from him, I just, I found it a little too sweet. It's not what, it's not what I want CM Punk to give me. Uh, kudos to him for uh, for fitting Larry in there too. At the uh, uh, he uh, when he was doing the backstage promo at the very beginning, uh-huh. when he left to come out, as he walked away, there was a shirt with Larry's face on it behind him. Oh, I missed that. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool touch. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Pretty much, like like I feel like he maybe didn't know what kind of reaction he was going to get. He maybe he was fearful that some people will cheer for Joe because Joe's obviously a popular name. So he kind of gave like that rah rah baby face like promo, like just in case you're not sure, I'm the good guy tonight. You know, yay Owen, let's chin for Owen. So I can definitely see like him maybe trying a little bit too hard. And you're right though, it didn't really fit his character. Like him doing this a little too much to the point where it's like I don't know if this is going to carry on for next week. I mean, we'll obviously talk about you know, the match is going to happen next week and who's going to be the baby face in that, in that match. But um, it definitely fell a little bit over the top. Um, and then this was followed by a video package. And it's actually like this. It showed highlights of the previous matches. And I had like current comments from Punk and Joe and also had comments from their previous fights where they actually like kind of fit in with what's going on today. Like one of the lines, Joe says something about like tonight's the night for fighting. And I'm like, wait, that's kind of like the theme song. So it definitely mm-hmm. like whoever edited this definitely did a great job on the, putting this package together. We go into the first match of the Owen Hart Foundation men's tournament semifinals as we have Powerhouse Hobbs coming out with the entire QTV. Although Johnny TV, they haven't really mentioned him much. I know there was like a quick little video for him on Rampage, but he hasn't been with QTV since he returned to uh, AEW. So we only had Harley Cameron, uh, QT Marshall, and Aaron Solo here with Hobbs taking on Ricky Starks and then Hobbs in some sweet Owen-style black and pink gear here. And commentary talks about the history together in Team Taz. It even shows some highlights of Starks and Hobbs working together, which is a nice little touch if anybody's not too familiar with their history. But the match itself starts with Hobbs overpowering Starks in the corner, but Starks ends up closing Hobbs to the outside where he regroups with QTV. Hobbs stays in control for the next couple of minutes with Hobbs whipping Starks real hard into the corner as they go into picture-in-picture. When we come back, Hobbs is still in control, climbs the ropes with Starks on his shoulders, but he's able to escape and power Bob Hobbs down, only getting a two-count. Starks tries to the DDT off the ropes, but this is a little bit of... I'm not sure if it was a botch. I'm pretty sure it was a botch, but he tried so mm-hmm. hard to like make the best out of it. And he hit something of a DDT. It wasn't really what he meant to do, but you can definitely see he was frustrated from this attempt at a DDT. What did you think of this, uh, his recovery uh, after kind of uh, slipping up on the ropes here? I think that sometimes you get uh, a botch. And I do think that this was a mistake, but it almost works in the match's favor. Like they, they definitely were, they were messing around for a couple seconds, but it made it look like a real fight. Like that yeah. is how, if you watch MMA, if you watch uh, amateur wrestling, that is how uh, people do fight with each other. So I thought that they recovered very well uh, because, and to me, Wrestling, it's such a precise thing that you are always going to have these moments where things go wrong and things obviously go wrong. And I almost 
like seeing when someone can sort of pull the pull back and make you make you feel like the mistake if it wasn't part of the plan that it at least actually helped the plan and this idea that you know they're kind of going going all at it and that they're getting sort of just too uh too um worked up and too uh, like too eager to get at each other that uh, that I thought it actually it it I would even go so far as to say that it worked in their favor and right after this, QT trips up Starks on the ropes as Hobbs hits a spine buster. But as he's going for the pin, for some reason, QT Marshall just gets on the apron and Aubrey is distracted by this, of course. And I'm so confused by this because for whatever reason, QT just doesn't get off the apron. Like Aubrey is not going to leave him alone until he gets off the apron. And of course, Hobbs is thinking the same thing. Like, why don't you just get off the apron? He starts yelling to QT to get down. As this is happening, Starks, of course, capitalizes from this, hits a spear to get the win at 11 minutes and 9 seconds to advance to the finals. But I know it's like a broken record every week with the referees here, but this was like a little over the top. Like, seriously, he gets on the apron for no reason whatsoever and then doesn't get off the apron. He's just screaming. I don't know what he was even screaming at, what he was trying to accomplish with this. It wasn't like Aaron Solo or somebody else was trying to, you know, come into the match. It was just like him on the apron. So, yeah, uh, another faulty finish here with the referee distraction, but uh, Starks does advance to the finals. And I think that in particular, uh, we said this before, they are particularly bad at doing these things with Aubrey, who more and more looks like a fool as uh, these things keep happening. And in fact, uh, when Hobbs beat Dustin Rhodes, it was interference that uh, in a match that Aubrey was refing that allowed them to get the win. But yeah, this wasn't good distraction either. Like QT stands there yelling at Aubrey like an idiot when his man has Starks pinned. But then Hobbs didn't come out of it looking great either because he goes over to yell at QT during which time Starks is still laid out on the ground. It's like, dude, just keep pinning him. Yell. You can yell from where you are. They will hear you. So, yeah, I wasn't blown away by this match. And I have to say that we've seen Hobbs versus Starks a few times, and I always feel like it never quite lives up to what I want it to be, to, to what I know that both of them can deliver. It's for some reason, I don't know if it's that they just don't happen to have good in-ring chemistry they when they did them as a tag team and then the breakup there you felt really good like this was going to be an exciting match and it was fine but it wasn't as thrilling as you as you felt like it could be and i thought the same thing about this one they had a good backstory going into this and i think a lot of AEW fans will would, would pick up on it they don't need to be reminded they don't need to have their hand held people who've been following AEW know about this uh it, know about this story and yet I just felt like this match never got out of first gear. And I, the other thing that I found was that too much of it was about setting up the story now with Hobbs and QTV. And as much as I think that if we're going to uh, Hobbs, like sort of this feud to get him established now, I guess, as a baby face and you're probably leading to a match with the, erstwhile absent uh, Johnny TV. Um, I think that that is is good to build him up a little bit more and gives him something to do because not everyone is going to be in a title picture. Um, I, I just felt that the match was so much focused on accomplishing that goal that Starks felt like an afterthought. 
And that's not good because he's your winner. He's the guy who you are going to, spoiler alert, put up against CM Punk in the final. You, he needs to feel like a star, and he did not feel like a star coming out of this match. Um, the other, I guess and we can talk about the, the aftermath of, uh, of the match and what happened there. Yeah, I mean, before that, like, I totally agree. Like, this is, like, just setting up the next feud for Hobbs. That's okay if you're having just a standard match on a Rampage or a Dynamite or Collision, obviously. But, like you said, this is the man that's going into the finals of this prestige Owen Hart tournament. Why, like, tarnish his victory in a way by this have distraction finish, and then he's supposed to go str- be strong going into this match? It's kind of backwards. Like, you don't really do mm-hmm. this. But, like, like you said, it, it totally was a setup for the next storyline with Hobbs. As after the match, QT is trying to explain to Hobbs what happened. I would have loved to hear the explanation to exactly what he was trying to do. But Hobbs doesn't want to hear it. He just shoves him down. Aaron Solo runs in, tries to keep them apart, but Hobbs takes him out with a spine buster. And Harley Cameron runs in to shield QT from Hobbs. So Hobbs just walks out and heads to the back. So yeah, it looks like we're beginning some sort of Hobbs versus QTV. He shouldn't have been in this stable to begin with, honestly. Uh, maybe that's yeah. why they brought in Johnny TV so they can have somebody... No, nothing against Solo and QT, but I think Johnny TV versus Hobbs definitely sounds better on paper than anybody else from uh, QTV does. Well, I think that uh, that uh, Johnny, uh, Mister TV, is going to to be a better fit within QTV. Now, my issue with this is that this is the third AEW show this week that has featured something from QTV. I. The, the original presentation of QTV was just beyond cringe and even more so because it was done with Hobbs who did not fit at all. And I think that when they let Harley Cameron take over and let her be more of the mouthpiece and this, this sort of fun back and forth they have going with the acclaimed that, okay, this is, this is rehabbing it a bit, but you need to go slowly with this because it's still not there. And, adding Johnny helps, uh, having her do the talking helps, putting them up against someone like the acclaimed helps. But this is something that you don't have dark and elevation anymore. So I'll say, keep it on rampage, workshop it a bit there, see what works. Do not go throwing it on every single uh, AEW show. And that's what they've done this week. And I think as much as they've gotten this on the right path, this is the way to ensure that it goes off the rails again. So, and this is something like we're spending all of this time talking about, I'm spending all of this time talking about QTV. This should not have been this much of a focus on this show. I agree. We move on to a video from Mira who says that many men have lost themselves after dealing with the devil, but only one man have found themselves after a showdown with his God. He is ready to fight anyone and hurt them in ways they cannot hurt him. But he says nobody can hurt the man that has nobody left to love or covet. And he can't be tempted from his path by a shiny belt, a false God or a double jointed hot wife. He must walk the righteous path and be what his God is not. I am Miro. And he senses a big battle is coming the one we have all been waiting for. What is this big battle that Miro is alluding to, you think? I don't know. Like, I'm sort of thinking, I want Miro on my screen. I I think I said before, I said last week, that I believe that the, the match that we should be heading towards in the medium term is him getting the TNT title back, so him versus yeah. Luchasaurus. Maybe that's what he's referring to, uh, not necessarily that we want to see him... Versus Luchasaurus, although it'll be a great match. It's just not, 
it's not something that is about the individuals involved. It's about him regaining the TNT title. He nails these every time. I love the Redeemer character, but I think what's incredible is that he can get out that line about having this hot double jointed wife and not crack at all. Like he's deadly serious. And this is uh, the line was just hilarious thrown into an otherwise very dark brooding promo. And he can just nail this, that he can get away with, with saying it in a way that no, that no one can. I'm looking forward to whatever they do with him. I'm not sure what this uh, promised feud is, this feud that we've all been looking forward to. But if he's involved, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, when you stated last week about him going after Luchasaurus in a TNT title, I thought the same thing. And with his choice of words, him saying a big battle, I expected an announcement for Battle of the Belts with him getting a title shot. It doesn't mean he still can't get a match. I don't know what else title he would go after. I mean, Orange Cassidy, I can't see Miro and Orange Cassidy fighting at Battle of the Belts, but that's a possibility. Maybe he just shows up. Maybe he has an appearance and after Luchasaurus retains or Christian retains, whoever's going to be in the match, maybe we do get an appearance from Miro at the end. But I definitely like the idea of him going after the uh, TNT championship. Tony Schiavone is with Willow Nightingale, who unfortunately is not medically cleared due to an injury from Japan. Uh, Athena interrupts her and says that Willow has single-handedly ruined her collision debut and her first victory. Athena starts questioning if her injury is even legit and talks about having three flights in coach to get here, and she's still here. And Willow doesn't want another L after losing her New Japan Strong title to Julia, which is funny because later on in commentary, Kevin Kelly had to state, it's not Julia Hart, but Julia yeah. from Stardom. So, so you get some confusing fans might be like, wait, when did Willow fight Julia and what title did she lose? Yeah. It's a little yeah, confusing. Exactly. Titles. <laughs> Willow says that the match will still happen, but it will be on Rampage. And she plans on winning the whole tournament and maybe even take a stab at Athena's ROH title, which I'm guess if the match happens, it would have to be at Death of Honor, which is only in a couple weeks. So they definitely need to get that ball rolling as far as matches go. Athena says that Willow is even good enough and she has never beaten her and will never beat her. And she won't even get cleared. But if Willow miraculously does beat her, she'll entertain the challenge for the Ring of Honor Women's Championship. What do you think of this promo and this unfortunate injury to uh, Willow that hopefully should be okay uh, by next Friday or next Wednesday, I guess, when they tape Rampage? Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that she's okay. It is really – I'm assuming that they wouldn't promise that unless they knew that this was a, a – a a slight injury that could that just needs a few days to heal. This is really unfortunate because I think that this match was going was a a big draw and a, a big it felt like a big deal for the women's division or divisions. I was happy that we got reintroduced to Athena because I'm not sure that heel Athena has been given time on AEW TV. She's been oh, featured on on Dark and Elevation a lot and then of course on Ring of Honor where she's been having this incredible run. So I think it was good that we got to see her and see a little bit of the character. So at least it did accomplish something this week. I do kind of think that they are setting up uh, a what is a rematch uh, for Death Before Dishonor. Now, Willow was one of the earliest Ring of Honor challengers to Athena's title. They had a fantastic match. Athena won. I was a little surprised that Athena didn't draw her attention to that because the question is, well, if... Uh, sure, if you can beat me, you can get another title shot. But in her position, I probably would have mentioned, but I've already beaten you. You had your title shot. So what you you want you want me to beat you again? Fine. Um, Willow does feel like the person who to take this title off Athena eventually. She always has. Uh, if, so I guess it makes sense to do that at Death Before Dishonor, particularly if you are looking at moving Athena up to the... Uh, I don't want to say main roster. <laughs> it feels like I have to, but if you're thinking of moving Athena to AEW from ROH, um, 
and putting her in the the women's title picture, although I'm not sure how that works since uh, she would be a heel and Tony Storm is a heel. We shall see. Uh, I'm still looking forward to the match. Very unfortunate that it uh, that it ended up getting had, uh, getting uh, pushed off the show tonight. I think all the more unfortunate because replacing it with uh, Julia Hart versus a local talent called attention to the fact that outside of the tournaments and the outsiders angle, they don't really have any stories going in the women's division. So if someone drops out, you're kind of stuck. You can't just say, all right, well, we'll use this time to work on another, like to, to develop another story. Yeah. And I think that's one of the issues with the early episodes of collision is everything is pretty much centered around the Owen Hart tournament, both the men's and the women's, as well as this FTR bullet club gold. Like those are like the main stories going on now. So I'm curious once the tournaments are done, are they going to start building to actual stories with other characters? Cause it's been so far the CM Punk FTR show and everything's been based around them. So I'm really curious on who else gets a push or a storyline coming out of this. And I do like the idea of Willow getting the ring of honor women's championship. Cause I feel like you have Diamante there. You have Layla Hirsch just made her return. Definitely more heels for a champion to have to face. And I think Willow is the, the right one. Only other person I can think of is sky blue. Cause she's been on ring of honor on a bit of a winning streak, but who knows? Maybe she's, She's going to go into Owen tournament. Maybe we won't see our ring of honor for a while, but um, I do like both of those ideas as far as like Willow uh, winning the title and having to retain against a lot of these uh, heels. We see a video hyping up blood and guts in Boston on July 19th. It says on this Wednesday on dynamite, they're going to have a closer look and they keep hyping up the two mystery men. They didn't say if we're going to find out who the mystery men are, but I feel like they might've kind of alluded to it by them taking a closer look at it. We go to the Julia Hart match against the local talent, this being Bambi Hall, which is a second generational athlete. Her sister actually is Liza Hall, who also has wrestled in AW before in the past. She actually had a dark match against Nyla Rose on uh, this past Dynamite. But the match is very short here with Julia Hart coming to the ring with 23 wins in a row. And it's a first match back since winning the no holds barred match against Anna J back in May. Bambi tries to outpower Julia, but Julia knocks her down and starts clubbing away at Bambi. Uh, this is the part where Kevin Kelly has a clarifying commentary that Willow lost to Julia from stardom and not this Julia Hart. Julia Hart takes down Bambi, puts her in a heartless submission, and makes Bambi tap out at 2 minutes and 20 seconds. And commentary kept asking where Malachi Black might be, as we haven't seen him here on Collision, and how Andrade wants his mask back, and that'll lead to the following segment. But before that, I know a very quick match here, but at least we got a little bit of a showcase from Julia Hart in her Collision debut. With that run of wins that she's on, I would say that it is uh, is probably a good idea to have her uh, get built up as a challenger for Chris Statlander. I'm not really sure. It kind of seems like they might be moving Hikaru Shida up to do that, or they might be moving Shida towards a world title shot. I might actually do that uh, instead. Tony Storm versus Hikaru Shida and Julia versus Chris Statlander. I guess the... The issue always with Julia is she is sort of, she's kind of presented as a heel and the House of Black have been more presented as heels recently, but crowds really like Julia. And when you see her on her, her own, they still react very well to her. So having her in a match with Chris Statlander, look, AW does fine with uh, babyface versus babyface matches, but it's, it's going to be an interesting dynamic there to to see what the crowd does but yeah this match was it was it was nothing and uh it was just sort of an opportunity to see julia at work 
Yeah, I think that's the right call, though, to have Julie Hart uh, against Statlander. Statlander had a promo on Rampage pretty much saying she has an open challenge for mm-hmm. TBS title and she's willing to fight anybody. I think Julie Hart makes a perfect sense. But speaking of House of Black, we go to a video from Malachi Black who talks about why he took Andrade's mask. He says the difference between him and Andrade is Andrade didn't become who he was until he took the mask off, as Malachi truly is who he is when he puts it on. Malachi brings up how Julia, when Julia reached for his mask, it controlled who Andrade was, and Andrade has been led to believe that his mask is the reason for his strength and success. But when he took it off, it gave him more strength than when he was wearing it. He compares Andrade to a child who can't let go of his teddy bear. So together they will cut the last vein that is pumping blood into the heart of lies that he created for himself. And together they will make sure to know how truly great Andrade is. They cut right back to Lexi Nair, who is with Andrade, and asks exactly what his mask means to him. Andrade says he is a businessman and he doesn't hide behind his mask. He is not a coward like Malachi. And his mask is everything to him. It's about his family, his culture, his country, and for all the Latin people. When he has his mask, he forgets the business when he takes it off it's time to fight and it's time to win uh good promo here but then kevin kelly oddly says that he appreciated andrade spoke slowly which is a very odd thing to kind of throw in there kind of like didn't really was necessary i feel like like i, I understand what he's trying to say but it's like why would you say that like it, he appreciated that, he spoke yeah. slowly, that promo well, from andrade and it's not, i think he spoke deliberately like yes he did speak a little bit slowly but it seemed weird to call attention to that uh, malachi black's promos they always they they work best when you don't listen exactly to the words he is saying, but you listen to how he is feeling at you. And this is a, a very good example, I thought, of that, where the words themselves were a little bit circuitous, which is often are, but you were left with this sense that he was... He has this idea that he is helping people by hurting them. And this harkened back to the beginning of his feud with Cody when he first joined the company, where he did this promo about, you know, seeing that the light had died off in, in Cody's eyes, where he was he was putting him out of his misery. And I think that this is a very, very good way to present Malachi's this sort of uh, the the pain that he inflicts is this terrible kindness. I thought Andrade did very well in the response, sort of building on that that sense of passion that we saw last week. Like last week, it almost seemed a little too much for the context. This week, I thought was handled better. We know that Malachi and Andrade have good chemistry, and since it does seem like they are moving towards uh, a singles match rather than a trios match, I'm very curious to see what happens. Partly because I think it's going to be a very good match. Partly because I'm a little nervous about seeing either of them lose at this point. Because mm-hmm. I think that Black and both as with his group and on his own is still finding his 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 feet and getting on the ascendant after uh, what was he had this super hot uh, debut then cooled off significantly. There were a lot of troubles. He had some injuries and then came back and they have been very strong since they've been come back. Then since they have come back, um, he, the, the trios belts, they haven't defended them recently, but they've handled the defenses they have had have been good. They are, uh, I guess they're very much going to be uh, one of the stalwarts of collision. And, so I think that it would be good to give them more time to to get established as a really powerful faction. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll see uh, where this goes. 
uh, I don't know who I want to win this because again, Andrade is just back after a very long layoff from injury. I don't really want to see him lose yet. I think that, and I really don't want to see a match that ends via shenanigans. I want them to have a good match. I want them to have a clean match. I do want there to be uh, a definite winner. I'm just not sure who I want that to be yet. I mean, with both Andrade and House of Black, pretty much both stated they're exclusive to Collision. I can see them having a series of matches. And who knows, with all this mask talk, maybe some sort of stipulation with a mask down the line. I'm not sure. You can't really have a mask versus mask match unless, like, the loser can never wear a mask again or whatever the case is. But I'm sure they can definitely have a, a series of matches just so it's like both men don't look weak in any defeat that they have. We go to the next match. Oh, boy, this match got a lot of time. It definitely benefited from Athena and Willow not being on this card. We have an AW World Tag Team Championship Eliminator match, FTR versus Jay White and Juice Robinson of Bullet Club Gold. Uh, Nigel McGuinness starts and pretty much throughout the whole majority of this match is complaining about this whole Eliminator stipulation and says that it should just be a title match. And then Kevin Kelly says that it has a feel of a championship match, which uh, Nigel just kind of mocks. So Nigel's definitely playing like the heel in commentary. I didn't really pick up on it the first couple weeks, but today you can definitely feel it. I felt it when he's been doing the commentary on Ring of Honor, too. Like he is very much, he's the sort of heelish one compared to Rigabani and Caprice Coleman. So the match itself starts with Cash Wheeler and Juice Robinson exchanging words, and then Juice awkwardly lands on Cash with a monkey flip attempt. Uh, it definitely could have been a lot worse because it looks like his face almost hit uh, Cash's uh, mm-hmm. knees here. So he he definitely lucked out. It didn't it didn't land off even more awkwardly. Juice and Jay try to double team Cash, but he ends up escaping to the outside before all men start to have a standoff in the ring. And FTR hits in stereo German suplexes as they go to commercial. When we come back, FTR takes control with Wheeler hitting a drop kick on Juice Free Two. They start chopping away, and one chop from Juice hits Cash straight in the mouth. It was definitely like bad timing, and it just looked really good, like to look at, not to <laughs> receive. Obviously, it was definitely a ouch moment. Um, and commentary definitely uh brought it up that he hit him square in the lip juice hot shots cash to the outside where jay white starts attacking him jay and juice spend the next couple of minutes continuing to work on wheeler which is pretty much the story of the match here uh white even puts the muda lock on wheeler but dax breaks it up white goes and takes out dax on the outside cash puts on an inside cradle on white but juice has paul turner distracted cash continues to try to fight off both white and juice as they go to the second commercial break when we come back, Dax finally gets the hot tag and goes right after White, hitting him with two German suplexes and a brain buster after much effort. Cash takes out Juice on the apron with a back body drop as Dax hits White with a superplex, followed by a top rope splash by Cash. But White kicks out right before three. Dax stumbles and goes right into the right hand from Juice. A blade runner is stopped. A big rig is avoided. Back and forth here, a spiked pile driver to White, but Juice breaks up the pen. White and Juice continue on Dax with White hitting a regalplex for a two. Insanity keeps going on in this match. Uh, White took out Cash with a Blade Runner. Dax tries to pin White, but Juice is the legal man, so Juice hits Dax with a DDT and gets the pin as Cash is just a little too late to break up the pin. And the Bullet Club Gold gets the victory at 28 minutes and 10 seconds. This match was long, and it definitely felt long, but I enjoyed this match. I think the last 5 to 10 minutes was insanity, and I, I thought it was great. I thought this was fantastic. I would say that uh, I watched, I, I was catching up on some New Japan the last couple of days. So I watched the uh, the two nights of Independence Day. So I, I don't mean this to be a backhanded goblin. I think this might be the best match I've seen in the last 24 to 48 hours because like, and that would include all of the, uh, all of the New Japan matches. And there was some great stuff uh, on those shows. 
I loved this. And the thing is, it started off, like if I look at my notes, the first thing that I was writing there was just FTR, they're known for uh, for having these great big matches. The best example would be the trios with the, the, tri- the, the trio of matches with the Briscoes. They don't get as much credit for just the fact that they are capable of delivering really quality shows in a television match. And that, you know, you don't expect to be at the level of pay-per-view, but that that are consistently some the, the most entertaining and the most gripping stuff on TV. But scrap that, because to me, this one was as good as a pay-per-view match. But like as it built up, I thought that there were a couple little obvious like timing mistakes aside. I thought that these four had awesome chemistry and... It was probably good that they were doing this match uh, in Western Canada because I think it solidified the crowd was solidly behind FTR because in on other weeks, the crowd's been much more mixed where you get FTR with Punk. Uh, and I think that they like uh, the, the Bullet Club Gold. I was very happy that you didn't get some uh, like interference from the guns or anything. Like they did a little bit of shenanigans. Um, they actually had one ref distraction spot that I thought was really good, which was the one where Juice sort of ran around the side and kind of nailed Dax Harwood to prevent him from making the tag because you kind of sympathize because the ref sees it, but this is the, the two non-legal people outside the ring. So do you take action or not? And so I think if you're going to do a ref distraction spot, that's a pretty good way to do one where it would like the ref would actually have to question whether they did anything, but yeah, I, I thought that this one just, it, it started off like the first, uh, the first several minutes were like a very, very solid TV match. But then as it went along, it just got better and better. Uh, Jay White uh, is uh, excellent. Like you saw it a few times. He is one of the best people at like the 2.99 kick out. Like there were, there was at least once where I almost didn't see, he got his shoulder up, but he did. And uh, as a result, it made it very, very exciting. Going into the match, I did kind of think that we were getting a Bullet Club gold victory so that you could move on to the title match in Calgary, uh, home of Bret Hart, where certainly that dynamic is going to be even more amplified. People are going to love FTR that much more. They're going to be booing uh, Bullet Club gold that much more. And I think the, the purpose is to give FTR the win there, uh, which, you know, we're, we're going to get quite the match <laughs> next week. And uh, I... The one thing I would say that I hated about this match, Jay, stop gobbing in your beard. It's grotesque. I hate I it. And particularly, that. That very nasty. If, you're, if you're going, like, you know, oh, God, I'm just looking at him. It's like, oh, God, it's slobbering time. Um, <laughs> and I was not, you know, and JR isn't even there to call it a slobber knocker. Like, that's at least then there would have been some larger point. Oh, God, no. And of just, course, the camera oh, has to zoom in right at it as well as oh, it's God, happening. Yes. I agree. This match was great. Like, it started off pretty, like, the first couple minutes was like, okay, it's just them just working on cash. But once, like, the hot tag after the second commercial break, it was nonstop for the last, like, 10 minutes. And I agree. It's probably one of the best matches I've seen this week. 
big week for tag team wrestling between this and the Creed Brothers versus the Diet on NXT. Like, those are two really good tag team, like, straight-up tag team matches that happen. I was actually in a group chat talking about this match, and it's like, where do you go from here? And I jokingly said, well, it's FTR. It's got to be a two out of three falls match. And little did we know they were going to announce that. And I wouldn't be surprised if that match actually ends the show next week. I know we have the finals of the Owen Hart tournament for both the men's and the women's, but maybe start with Punk and Starks and end with this match and just carry it over to Battle of the Belts. Like, you have that extra hour. It's a mm-hmm. championship match. Why not just carry into that, if, especially if it's a two out of three falls match? I always like when, like, they it doesn't happen often, but whenever you do have like two shows that just happen to be back to back and it just flows into the next show, it just feels like something unique that doesn't really happen. But yeah, the match is made official for next week after the Bully Club Gold challenges FTR to a two out of three falls match for collision. Uh, before that, we actually had a video package for an actual match that's going to happen at Battle of the Belts, which is Luchasaurus and or maybe Christian Cage defending the TNT Championship against Sean Spears. Um, so yeah, that match is happening. I'm guessing this is just uh, one of the quick roadblock for luchasaurus before his actual feud you would think but um it's good for sean spears to get to get a match uh in Cal- it's gonna be yeah, in calgary next week for uh battle of the belts mm-hmm. what else would you do on battle of the belts i mean we didn't really get too many teases here but like what else do you think can you know what other championship match would you like to see i i'm not really like i guess what other championships can you do i guess you could you know statlander should probably defend uh on there i don't know um I, there's no way in an hour long show that you're going to get two uh, two women's matches. So I don't see Tony Storm defending her title there. Battle of the Belts, it, it has always like it is very much it's all title matches. The problem that it's run into is that uh, I think that they have had one title change in now. This is going to be the seventh show. They've had one title change and it was on the first show. Um, I think. Put Orange Cassidy on there. Uh, you know, he hasn't had a defense in a couple of weeks, so he's due. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that would help. I agree that that's a very good idea to have the two to three falls match start like start and carry right over uh, into uh, into Battle of the Belts. I think maybe, you know, if you really want to, uh, if you want to goose your ratings a bit, start off with Punks versus Stark on uh on collision and then see how you can sort of carry things forward. But yeah, I'm trying to think of what other, like, unless they want to, they can shoehorn in a ring of honor title defense. God knows the Lucha brothers are due to defend those tag titles, but um, yeah, we'll see. I'm not really sure. I would throw in, honestly, if you want to get eyeballs on it, you definitely have to plan these on come dynamite. I would do hook versus Jack Perry for the uh, FTW title. I feel like that, story has a lot of momentum to it and mm-hmm. that you know might get a little bit more eyeballs on a uh, battle of the belts or it just might get lost with everything else going on i'm not but it's like you want that match to be on a big show and it's like a little too far off i think from all in or all out uh, blood and guts that could be another show that they might want to stack up with matches but i feel like the hook and parry storyline definitely could could use that that big boost this post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd wallet smart money podcast Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. We go into the next match. Scorpio Sky making his return versus Action Andretti. Scorpio Sky literally had his last match a year and two days ago. Uh, on the July 6, 2022 episode of Dynamite, where he dropped the TNT title to Wardlow. And Action Andretti gets no entrance, just kind of gets that enhancement talent uh, just in the middle of the ring, which is kind of a little surprising because Andretti definitely had some some push. And he's been in a little bit of a spotlight on Ring of Honor as well, teaming up mm-hmm. with um, Garius Marion and uh, AR Fox. But the show, the match itself starts with Sky being dominant, hitting a jumping stomp to the back of Andretti as they go into picture and in picture. When we come back, Andretti took, takes over the match and it's a beautiful springboard elbow, knocking Scorpio to the outside where he meets him with a dive followed by a standing spanish fly inside the ring for a two a bit of back and forth with andretti hitting a shotgun drop kick but scorpio gets his knees up as andretti tries a split leg and moonsault sky comes right back with the tko and gets the pin at seven minutes and 28 seconds and after the match scorpio to let people know that he is a baby face he does help andretti get up and show him a little bit of respect uh, what do you think about scorpio's first match in any promotion since uh yeah a little over a year now I thought it looked great. I thought that I was a little surprised, like you said, because Andretti, Andretti has been more of a part of Ring of Honor, and he's been getting some shine there. I, I like the the pairing, like where he's sort of the uh, the the, the long lost Martin brother stepping in to, to work with Darius and uh, Ar Fox. I think that that's worked out well for him. They've had kind of a feud go. They had a feud for a little while going with the Kingdom, and. Uh, they are always exciting to watch. I think that Andretti made a very good dance partner for Sky because they're both very athletic and it allowed Sky to sort of pull out some of the stuff that you forget he can do. I think it was always a given that he was going to win, but you know, at seven and a half minutes, this one, it did not feel like it outstayed its welcome. Now, of course, everyone probably got a little bit of extra time because of the, the, the Athena versus Willow match getting canceled. But I, I, I found that this one moved along really well. They're both guys who you send out there and they're just going to be very entertaining to a crowd and to go on after that tag match and have to be like the next thing that the crowd gets and to have the crowd get quite engaged at times I thought was a very good statement as to, well, what both of them could do, but also that, you know, it's a great reintroduction for Sky. We're clear now. I love the the sort of the conciseness of just having him shake Andretti's hand. Now, you know, he's a baby face. So we'll see what uh, what happens with, with him. But I, I am looking forward to it. I thought it was a very good reminder of how capable he is. And someone who took advantage of having extra time was Nigel McGinnis playing the role of Excalibur here because he was not going to do the 
fast read. He took his sweet time reading the cards for the upcoming shows, including Dynamite, which has a two blind eliminator tag team match. It was Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia, who advanced on Rampage, as well as MJF and Adam Cole versus Brian Cage and Big Bill, who also advanced on Rampage. And I'm not sure if you saw, but MJF put a pretty funny tweet saying, mm-hmm. oh, sorry guys, I'm feeling a little bit ill. I'm not sure if I'm going to be uh, able to make it on uh, on uh, Dynamite. And uh, Adam Cole responded with, come on, so, like, stop bullshitting. Like, you know yeah. you're going to be there. Yeah. So yeah. you have those Eliminated matches. Sorry, what were you gonna say? No, I, I was just gonna say MJF responded to that. It's like, oh, I guess it's only cool if you do it. They they have had MJF <laughs> and Adam Cole have been. They have established this fantastic sort of multi-platform repartee that they that they uh, that they are doing. Where it's been across Twitch, it's on yeah, Twitter, it's right. and these are <laughs> two people who are have absolutely mastered using resources outside of television to build their story and i i am all here for it i i like it and so this this bit with mjf because at first you see it and it's like oh no he's sick and then oh no of course not he's being mjf Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. i want to say i'm taking like to the next level and actually have mjf like on twitch playing video games with Cole mm-hmm. and I could be really, really terrible at it and just complaining, like, hey, I don't play video games. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so we have those two matches as well as the semifinal in the Owen Hart tournament between Ruby Soho and Sky Blue. Swerve Strickland versus Nick Wayne, the newly turned 18 years old who can finally wrestle on television, making his debut for AEW, as well as Commander versus Chris Jericho, which I'm really intrigued to see. Uh, they also hype up Blood and Guts in two weeks for Dynamite. On next week's Rampage, we have the postponed match between Athena and Willow Nightingale in the semifinals for the Owen Hart tournament. And on Collision next week, we have the finals of both of those matches with the winners of Soho and Blue versus the winner of Athena and Willow as well as Ricky Starks versus the winner of Punk and Joe, which we're going to get next, and a two out of three falls for the AEW Tag Team Championship as FTR defends against Jay White and Juice Robinson of Bullet Club Gold. But before all that, we go to the Owen Hart Foundation men's semifinal match here, the long-awaited match number. They say match number four, but, like, I was looking, and they have definitely more than four matches. They only count, like, the three matches that they had in uh, Ring of Honor in 2004, but they did have one prior to that. But... If we're going by their story, this is the fourth match between Joe and Punk. And if you want some more information on this, if you don't want to watch the matches, John Pollock put up a great article on PulseRustling.com talking about the entire history between Joe and Punk. But the match starts. Big fight feel here. Joe with the blue and black trunks. Punk with the pink and black trunks. And right away, Punk is able to duck a big spinning kick by Joe. And then they're giving an update on Roderick Strong from his attack last week from Joe. And Nigel just drops in this subtle little line here about Brian Danielson saying that he would have broke his neck if they got into the ring together, but Brian went ahead and broke his arm. So definitely painting like Nigel being the heel. If this match ever does happen with Brian Danielson, which I hope it does happen. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to happen at all in, which would have been the perfect place for it. But if it does happen, I'm down for it. They trade off chops and strikes until Joe does his casual walk away as punk goes crashing down off the ropes. I laugh every time Joe does this so seamlessly. Joe keeps punk in the corner with a flurry of punches. Punk gets on the ropes and gets the life chopped out of him as he stumbles to the outside as we get our first commercial break. When we come back, Paul Turner has the gloves on, and as soon as I see the gloves, I'm like, okay, who's bleeding? Where are they bleeding from? And it looks like Punk is bleeding from his mouth. They go mm-hmm. into chops with one getting Joe really loopy. Punk takes advantage of this and knees Joe in the corner as the crowd starts chanting for Punk, but Joe puts on a coquina clutch right away, but Punk is able to break it up with a back body drop. Punk continues to work on Joe, knocking him down and going to the top rope where he hits a flying elbow drop for a two count. 
Punk goes for the GTS, but they come crashing down as Joe puts on a crossface right away until Punk is able to put his foot on the bottom rope to break it up. Joe goes for a powerbomb, but Punk escapes and tries to the GTS again just for Joe to hit him with a power slam for a two count. The crowd breaks into an Owen Hart chant as Punk knocks Joe down with a kick for a two. Punk goes to the top rope again, but Joe stops him, tries to muscle buster, but Punk stops him and hits him with a neck breaker. He tries to GTS once again, but Joe escapes out, and then Punk is able to roll him up uh, sitting on top of him for the pen at 15 minutes and 33 seconds, and he finally beats Samoa Joe, and he will go on to advance to the finals next week to face on to face Ricky Starks. What did you think of Joe Punk for? First of all, I, I just have to mention this because uh, every time they showed this person, it made me giggle. But someone was there with a sign that said Samoa Joe is my tribal chief. Like excellent work, <laughs> absolutely Peter. excellent, five stars. I was like just great. Made me made me laugh every single time the person was on on camera, and they were on a few times during this match, um, which is even funnier because I'm pretty sure that Samoa Joe is the only Samoan who isn't related to Roman Reigns. Um, pretty much, yeah. so I guess he's the chief <laughs> of his own tribe. But okay, the the match itself, I thought was very good, and I thought that it was structured in such a way that it allowed both men to show their strengths. And these are two guys who are—they're both in their forties. They both have a lot of wear and tear on the body, so they are not—they uh, are not at the peak that they were the last time that they faced off. But I thought that this was a very well organized match that allowed them to sort of hit their hit their big spots, and you you got some tension. I mean, I. I don't see them beating Punk anytime soon, and we'll, we'll sort of get to the implications of that. But uh, I thought that it was a very solid match. I enjoyed it. I would have enjoyed it even more if it hadn't happened on the same show as that tag match, because I still felt like mm. I was coming down from the tag match at this yeah. point. And this wasn't this wasn't as good at that as that. It wasn't particularly close, but I, I at least thought, you know, keeping it to 15 minutes is a good length. Uh, Punk gets his win. Uh, it felt, you know, they they had hyped this up now for a week that, you know, he'd never beaten Samoa Joe. I think just because of the circumstances, that maybe felt a little hollow because, as I said, I don't see them beating Punk anytime soon. And I felt like it. it this was definitely going to be the match where he did beat him. So... Uh, maybe didn't feel as massive as it would have if there was more tension around the the pairing, but I, I thought that they I thought they both looked great, and I thought that they did not hold back. Uh, they and as I said, the the match was organized in such a way that it allowed them to look their absolute best. Yeah, I enjoyed the match, but I feel the same way. If it was on a different show than that tag match, it definitely would have stood out more. But like after this show, most people are going to be talking about the FTR Bullet Club gold match. I purposely didn't go back and watch the original matches they had in Ring of Honor because I didn't want like to compare it anyway. But now I'm going to go back and watch pretty much all the matches. Yeah. So if there was any like callbacks or like references to that, let us know. We're going to start taking callers soon. So if anybody wants to call in and let us know if there's any like Easter eggs to the previous matches, I would love to know that. Um, but after the match, Joe and Punk have a bit of a face off as we all kind of wonder, you know, what's going to happen here. Uh, the crowd starts chanting for CM Punk, but those chants quickly turn into Owen Hart chants, which is a nice touch here. And then Joe puts his hand out 
and Punk shakes it just for Joe to put on the coquina clutch and start screaming that he's always been better than Punk. He goes to grab a chair, but before he can do any more damage, FTR runs out to protect Punk as Joe leaves. And then Ricky Starks, who's been aligned with FTR and CM Punk in the last couple of weeks, slowly makes his way down to the ramp, kind of stops, stares down Punk, get on a weird little look here, not sure what to do, and it just kind of turns around and leaves as Punk looks at his opponent for next week. So yeah, definitely um, intriguing how they're going to play off this match next week, but it looks like Ricky Starks is going to be the heel going into this match with babyface uh, white meat here, CM Punk, next week in Calgary. So uh, how do you think this match is going to result? Do you think that Punk is going to win? Do you think Starks is going to win? What would you do in in the finals of the Owen tournament? When Punk came back, he did that whole bit with the bag and that, you know, as far as he was concerned, someone had to step up and take that from him. That makes no sense unless you're going to go a long while before you beat him because it has to feel like a huge deal when, you know, he sort of feels forced to give up his belt or his bag or whatever it is. But uh, as a result, I think that Punk is winning this. And even I get because it does further that story, I guess the question is, you know, if you were going to give the win to Starks, does it forward anything? And I don't really think it does. That saddens me a bit because I feel like this tournament is tailor-made to uh, to sort of advance the cause of someone who needs to go to the next level within the company. But they've kind of, you know, if Ricky Starks were to win, okay, he hasn't, there's been no new feud that's really developed with him uh, during the course of the tournament. There's no obvious path to him. He's already he's already had his title shot against MJF. I don't know, like uh, putting him in the the TNT mix almost feels like it's it's a lateral move at best. And so. Uh, I find myself, as as much as I think they've handled the tournament very well, I find myself weirdly ambivalent about who wins this one. I think that the more interesting final is actually going to be the women because there I can see it going to Ruby. I can see it going to Athena. I can see it going to Willow. Probably not to Sky Blue, but it's not totally out of the question because they certainly have built her up a bit lately. And there are stories to tell coming out of that uh, that could be done with any of the women involved whereas with this one again because of that initial punk promo you've kind of put yourself on a specific path that and we shall see how that works out for them i did very much like the the joe turn well not really turn because he's presented very much as a heel but that the the joe bit at the end maybe possibly setting up a like joe versus punk five at some point because it didn't Punk's win was kind of fluky and Joe's reaction made it feel like there was still something between them. So I like that they're keeping that in their back pocket. But yeah, Joe with just the he did the he did the the flip to the coquina cut the clutch yep. so quickly that I thought it was very effective because it was like you almost didn't think it was going to come. And then it was this lovely moment with the crowd chanting for Owen and the the two sort of you know seasoned warriors shaking each other's hand and then Joe was like, No, screw this. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, we're going to go to your feedback and your calls. If you have anything to say about Collision, it could be about Rampage, it could be about Ring of Honor, it could be about GCW, MLW, whatever you saw this week or this weekend, let us know. We are going to go to our first call here with Hanzi. Hanzi, welcome to Collision Course. What's going on? 
What's going on, man? Uh, how are you guys? You, 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 you guys are doing a good job, by the way. But I just wanted to point Thank that you. out. Um, I'll, I'll say, though, I, I, I noticed that th- this show, m- more often than not, I feel like if, because I, I also kind of recap it for my own thing, right? And I feel like it's much easier to recap because I feel like a lot of the matches are, um, like, they're more slowed. You would think maybe Jim Cornette was shadow booking it. with the Because it, it matches his style of, like, Southern wrestling kind of in a way where, like, it's more about the actual in-ring story. And there's not really much going on. So, like, when you're jotting down, like, notes, you're not really jotting. Like, like on Dynamite, you're, like, 80 million moves where, like, it's PG, it's like PWG and ROH combine into one with like a very fast pace so i actually as like someone that's a recapping it i think this show is actually easier to do that i i like the style of matches the fdr and uh the juice and uh switchblade was probably the match of the night obviously i thought that was great uh you guys made good points about how like starks um doesn't feel like the next kind of big like it feels like he's just fulfilling a role what, like I feel like the, the show's up, up, uplifted a little bit being involved with Punk and FDR, but like so, yeah, some of his matches, it feels like he's like not being billed as like this next big star. So I do think that Punk is winning next week, even though I, I like the Punk and Joe match. It was a little bit under um under. I thought the the, the the ending was underwhelming. I just thought like the way it went down was a little bit underwhelming. But overall, it told a good story in the match. Like, I don't. I, I I went in realizing that these guys are not like at the level 20 years ago. So, like, I, I, I appreciate them working more character work. And, you know I mean? That's what I like about the show. Um, the only criticism I have is that if you're not going to have Willow versus Athena, I still would have had, like, I, I still would have had that promo. Like, you know, you have Julia Hart still, like, you know, like, do, doing a, a job match. I thought that was okay. That was pretty decent. i never seen somebody actually successfully use a body trip before, which was kind of cool. Um, but what's it called? I I, I would have liked if Athena just had uh, a match also. with the, like, I, I just think AEW should be having – if you're going to throw random matches sometimes – I think, like, I know people are more about, oh, the rate the rate will go down, but I think you should be able to do more than one women's match a show. I, I, and I don't think that's too too much to ask for, or a woman's angle, because it feels like the woman angles are so far in between and all that. And before I go, I'll just ask you guys this. Do you guys feel like, um, first of all, yeah, I'm with you guys last week, the colliders uh, thing is kind of stupid. Um, but, with the, <laughs> but with the cold, do you guys feel like a lot of this, like, is like a forced rivalry, like a SmackDown Raw in 2002, 2003, because it kind of does feel like that. And I just want to enjoy the strength of both shows. You know what I mean? I don't want to go, oh, I don't like Dynamite because they're focusing on friendship and relationships. So it's like, uh, I like Moxley and Kingston's dynamic right now. So I'll leave you guys with that. But again, guys, good show. And I, I enjoy um, that you guys are contributors to the show, to, to the network, man. So peace out. Thank you so much, Anzi. Yeah. I think that. Uh, yeah, in terms of the rivalry between shows, uh, I think that, see, unfortunately, that, that that element is there whether the producers want to lean into it or not. And it's because of all of the, the bullshit. That's um, the drama. Um, <clears throat> I don't think that that's helpful. Uh, I think that it it invites dissension and that is already something that I think is going to be a problem for the company going forward, which is that in this sort of narrative of competing sides, the way this is structured is actually encouraging people 
to get dug in on their side more. And that helps no one because wrestling is a, is an art where you need to get people behind a baby face and against a heel. And that is how you create your, your great narratives. You don't get there by inviting your audience to be split. And I think that that is happening because of the, the people involved. I think that, and that the, the show splits just kind of emphasize that. And unfortunately I do think that there is a certain extent to which that's going to happen. Now the, the the thing that kind of protects them from that is that given the time slot that they're in, there is no expectation that Collision is going to deliver in terms of audiences. Now, you can say that that's, that's not the important thing. And you would be right. It's not the important thing. What matters is the quality of the show. I think right now they're they're delivering two, uh, two pretty strong shows uh, a week. And that uh, Collision is sort of finding a personality that keeps it distinct. I, but I worry that this idiotic sort of faction uh, factionalization that is already a problem for AEW is going to get worse and it is going to be exacerbated by the fact that you have to keep certain people on certain shows for reasons other than that's just when they want to be there. A lot of great points from Hanzi, especially with the whole pacing between Dynamite and Collision. As somebody who does reports for Dynamite, yes, I can agree. There's so much happening on Dynamite. But even, like, tonight's show, which had a, like, almost 30-minute match, it didn't feel like long match. Like, even by taking note, it wasn't like so much was happening. It was, like, maybe a minute or two with just, like, nonstop action. But it felt really paced, and that could possibly be somebody else producing the show or helping out with the show that's not the same person that's doing dynamite that makes it feel different and i agree with the women's match like we just had it a couple weeks ago where what Britt baker couldn't have her match with ruby soho so ruby still had a match why couldn't you just give athena even if it's another two three minute match at least have more than one woman's match on the show like you could have definitely cut out something like the, the scorpio sky needed to have his match this week i feel like it was a last minute announcement they could have just held that off mm-hmm. for another week like i think it would have been okay and just have athena fight another enhancement talent from from um regina you know like give two I, matches. I have like, some yeah I have some thoughts on this. Um, and yeah, look, I think people who've tuned in to any of the shows that I've been on know that this is obviously a, an issue for me. Now, the thing that I thought they handled very well in the match that you had where Britt Baker couldn't show up is that you had Ruby do this squash match. But then after the match, she cut a phenomenal promo. And so it felt like the match had a purpose. In this case... You didn't have, like, yes, it would have been a much better idea to have Athena come out and do Athena things and let people see, again, this character that she's become. Because it is really interesting. It's a, like, her presentation has been really strong. And that would have at least accomplished something. The problem that you run into is that the women's division in AEW runs almost entirely on feuds and not on stories. And the diff- the, the, what I mean there is that feuds are about you have something that I want. Like you have namely a title. So you'll get someone to say like, I want your title. You can't have my title. We build up for a little bit. We fight. It's over. Stories are like what they have going on with the outsiders is more of a story. What they did with Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa leading up to their no holds bar match is more of a story. And even that continued after when they built up to their champion, their championship matches. So I think that it, it is an ongoing problem. And 
truthfully, if you're talking about what's on national television, representation for women is not good and has, it seemed it peaked for a while back, I guess, like 2016, 2018, and has fallen off significantly. But when you talk about, when you talk about women not being a draw, women are as much of a draw as you want to make them. And if you in, if you invest in building stronger characters and stronger stories, viewers will come. You know that because it worked for WWE, who were significantly further behind where AEW is now when they decided to create this new women's division. And the key there is how much you want to invest in terms of building people up and in terms of creating stories. You cannot do that with the amount of time you are investing per show in uh, in your women's division. You just can't. If you're going to do one match per show and, you know, some and a significant portion of them are going to be these quick matches that don't uh, that don't build any sort of narratives, then yes, people are going to tune out because it's just not one of the more engaging stories and they they don't have a good history with that. If you look at if you compare AEW and WWE, the amount of time that they dedicate to women's wrestling actually isn't that different. But I would say that WWE has done a better job uh, in terms of making it feel like there is at least you can you can say that you like or dislike the stories, but they have done a better job of at least making sure that there are certain like that there are certain stories that keep getting represented. Um, I think that it's yeah, it's it, it is an ongoing problem era area. And yes, AEW has made significant improvements, but they still feel like they're way behind where they should be for a promotion that wants to show that it can do things differently. And yeah, it's like if if they want to show that they can be something new and different and can engage a, a new sort of audience, then they need to not be wallowing in the same territory as WWE when it comes to how much time they're dedicating to the women, and they have to be doing significantly better with their stories. Absolutely. A lot of great points there. It makes me think, like, with the way they presented Julia Hart tonight, if they, we if we still had the Athena match, would we still have gotten this mm-hmm. Julia Hart promo? I mean, this match? I, I don't really know. Yeah. But No, let, you, you wouldn't. Probably like, not, because, right? <laughs> yeah. No, they do one match per show. And if you look at something like if you look at Rampage, that actually means that the, the like what they dedicate per show is pretty high compared yep. to other shows like either Dynamite, uh, Raw or SmackDown. If you look at what, you know, but if it's one match per show in Dynamite, it's the it has the least time dedicated to, to women's wrestling as you can. There's a, uh, I really recommend there was an article uh, a couple months ago that uh, Bell to Bell's published that looked at. Uh, not just like not just uh, AEW and WWE, but also like Impact, and they included NXT in their analysis. And it's very interesting to see who is is doing what with their women's division. I would think it had to be Impact has to be like top of the line as far as like giving their women's time because I feel like two three two to three matches on Impact are usually women's matches, and they go to mm-hmm. distance. Like it's it's pretty split between the men's and women's uh, matches alignment on those yeah. shows for sure. We're going to yeah. go to our next call here with Muggin. So Muggin, welcome to Collision Course. What's going on? What's up, guys? How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I gotta say, I mean, like, I mean, so now that we're like four episodes deep on, colli- on Collision, I mean, and um, like any good spinoff, 
like English people, it takes uh, like you know a few weeks to like you know find its identity. I mean, for example, a good example: Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. I mean, Better Call Saul knew what it was right from the beginning, mm-hmm. and of course, Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. Of course, Breaking Bad took its time to getting there. Collision is the is the like the is like the antithesis to Dynamite's mile a minute pacing. Every like, like there's like what four matches tonight, and each of them got time to breathe. All of them got time to breathe, and uh, that. And I, quite, quite frankly, I'm enjoying Collision more nowadays as opposed to Dynamite because it's like you know it's it's like if you bl- if you look away, so you, you might miss something on Dynamite. Whereas Collision is like it'll it will slow things down. This is for you to catch. Is for you to like you know absorb everything. Now, it took okay. It was okay. Let's talk about Joe versus Punk. Okay. Um, to, like across four matches, there was like nearly two hours and forty five minutes of, of ring time across all four matches, and I've seen the I've seen the whole trilogy this weekend, and uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go so far as to say the fourth one matches those ones, but it, it was good for what it was. And uh, the aftermath with with Joe suckering you know Joe suckering Punkin suckering Punkin and Ricky starts coming out afterwards it does it does set the stage for it does set the stage for a turn I think because. Hobbs and I feel like with I feel like Hobbs and Starks might be going in different directions coming mm-hmm. out. Of it. Mm-hmm. it might be going in different directions coming out of it because uh, do y'all think it would be a step backwards if Starks turns heel and joins QTV? Because I think it would be. Oh, God, oh I yes. hope not. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Keep QTV as something funny and entertaining. It's fine on the on that level. Like I kind of like what they've been doing with them and the acclaimed. But just limit how much you're using it. And uh, I think, yeah, putting Starks with them would just be a disaster. I I don't think it's a step backwards to turn Starks heel because he's a good heel. And yeah, maybe having, like you said, I, I think that they, you bring up a very good point, which is that uh, which is that Starks and Hobbs may in fact be, be ships crossing in the night, that they're going in opposite directions. And I don't think that that's a bad idea. I mean, even though, even though, like a smart, even though a small part of me wants to see like a little reunion between them, because I feel like you know hmm? we need more tag teams. And speaking of tag teams, yes. you know, speaking of tag teams, Switchblade and Juice and FCR. I mean, man, man, man they got a lot of time on this one. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, I mean, does, like, does Dynamite give that much time to tag team wrestling nowadays? Because I, I don't think so. And uh, no, I, I can't remember the last time a tag team match on any show got like almost thirty minutes. Like that's definitely like a big statement right there for the tag team division. Of course, and um, yeah, the two out of three falls match should be, it should be something. And uh, what else? What else am I missing? So, quick question, Muggin. You said you went back and watched the trilogy. Was there any like callbacks or anything that they might have like alluded to from the previous matches? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Cena, because I tried looking for like you know Easter eggs because I mean I tried looking for I tried looking for Easter eggs because uh, I was kind of, I was kind of hoping like you know Punk would hit like a Pepsi twist and Joe would duck. I was kind <laughs> of I was kind of looking for that and. Uh, for the and uh, a lot of the a lot of the matches was structured like their previous three matches. I mean, um, it was very much in, in the vein of our ROH you know main event, but it condensed into fifteen minutes. And uh, of course, I love always love I always pop for whenever Joe does like the walkaway spot whenever mm-hmm. does something fight. It's just you know the nonchalance, <laughs> the nonchalance, yeah. it's just nonchalance. It just makes it so funny. So overall, yeah, I'm, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if that's in the video game, but if it's not, they need to add that. That's fine. Oh god, I'll just yeah. do that again. <laughs> that's definitely that, that's definitely a patch idea. So you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm running out of things to say. Damn, well, that's okay. Oh, that's that, that's okay. You said some good things. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I I saw someone uh, 
had, I need to find it, but someone did a YouTube video where they kind of did a super cut of all Joe walking away for like 10 minutes. <laughs> and it was, it doesn't get tired even watching it like one after the other because it's just, his expression is always just perfect. So it's great at this point, fodder. you want to see it in the, in a Joe match. It's great. It's great meme fodder. And, um, like, like, would it, like, would it be a stress to say that they might do like a like a fifth and final match and uh, death before dishonor in a couple of weeks? I don't know if if they do it there. I don't know if they're going to bring Punk on to to Ring of Honor. Maybe um, the thing is, if it goes on Ring of Honor, it has to be for the title, and then it's weird because who like are you going to have Joe beat Punk again? anyway? Um, yeah. I think, but yes, I think that uh, Joe versus Punk Five they've set the table for that. Yeah, it's funny to talk about Death Before Dishonor. I had originally had seen the match announcement between Claudio and Mark Briscoe, just cold, just saw the match announcement. I was like, that's kind of weird. Why would they do the match when the whole story has been about Mark trying to go after the TV title? And then I go and watch Ring of Honor. They actually had an explanation. They showed Eddie Kingston in Japan right after having, winning the mm-hmm. strong title, talking about how he would love to have his rematch against Claudio, but he's going to be in the G1. So he yeah. literally challenged mark briscoe to challenge for the title and then you had a promo from mark saying hey i always wanted the tv title that's true but why not follow my brother's footsteps and go after the world title and you had a nice little exchange between him and claudio and claudio saying you'll never beat your brother you'll never be yeah. my level so that was really well done if nobody has seen that at least go back and watch the promo between <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the kingston interview and the mark and uh, claudio I did, yeah I did Cla- claudio in particular was just fantastic there yeah and personally i mean if i could indulge a little bit i was i was kind of hoping I mean, I was kind of hoping Tony Khan would like, you know, pay a little extra for for Joe to walk out to Jada Kiss's champ is here. Hey, you never know, right? Maybe down the line. But yeah, we, we do need an opponent for Joe for Death Before Dishonor. So there's plenty of challengers out there. Who, who can you have? Punk? I mean, I would love to see Punk like have an official Ring of Honor match now that it's owned by Tony Khan. But I can't see it happening as soon as Death Before Dishonor. But hey, you never know. Crazier, crazier things mm-hmm. have happened in wrestling, right? Yep. All right, guys. All right. Thank Thanks, Muggin. Thank you for calling in. And hopefully we'll hear from you soon again. Yeah, yeah. Bye. Later. We do have one piece of feedback here from Benjamin, who says that I think one of the positives about Collision is the ability to span content across both it and Dynamite more equally, which is dramatically improving the pace and storytelling of both shows. That said, I have yet to watch tonight's episode. Also, thank you both for your wonderful work on this show so far. You're a positive pair of voices to hear. Thank you so much, Benjamin. Thank you. That, that is that is lovely to hear. And uh, yeah, finding uh, finding our way around here. <laughs> yeah, I know it, it's it's a tough spot. I know a lot of people aren't home on Saturday nights to watch it, but I feel like by tomorrow morning, by tomorrow afternoon, a lot of people will at least talk about the tag team match. Uh, they might tune in mm-hmm. for Joe and Punk, but they'll stay around for FTR and Bullet Club Gold for real. Um, but we'll be sticking around here next week and every other week until Collision. Uh, goes on forever i don't know <laughs> we'll see how long collision goes but i'm hoping well, let's see how those ratings are <laughs> yeah i know right especially week four i'm really curious because last week was a really 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 low rating but like you said you had money in the bank you had the taped aspect of it it was july 4th weekend there were so many things going against it mm-hmm. so i'm really curious on how they're going to do this week and the following week as well with the uh, owen hart finals and then whatever they're going to storylines are going to be going into after that um but yeah busy weekend uh if you have a chance i'm gonna be doing right after this show is done i'm gonna be writing up a report for mlw's never say never uh pay-per-view that they're having their first ever live pay-per-view on fight um G- gcw is there anything on gcw that you're looking forward to i know richard holiday was was challenging for the title i'm a big fan of richard holiday from, I know you've yeah me too, well. me too 
and I'm I'm so glad that he uh, that he he's back that he's healthy. It was interesting because you know he's fighting Blake Christian, and yeah. the dynamic there seems so weird because right now Christian is the heel and Holiday is the babyface, and it that is so the opposite of where the two of them were like a year ago. But uh, I haven't gotten a chance to watch it. I'm going to watch it after this. Uh, and but just I saw a little bit of feedback online that said it was an excellent match. So yeah, definitely looking forward to to that. Holiday's one of these people who I would kind of like to see uh, get some get some action in Ring of Honor. Blake Christian already has. He Blake Christian was one of those people where it was rumored that he had been signed by AEW. Uh, but mm. doesn't, you know, there's always a few people floating around who they, you know, we think might be signed by AEW, but they haven't got the graphics or are not super sure. Yeah. Um, I'm still recovering from watching independent, like, like I said, watching the independence day specials for new Japan. So yeah, if you're going to check out something, uh, extra this week, highly recommend those, um, I thought night one the uh, the junior tag match was mind blowing. I thought it was so good. Like the 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 death match, the the tag team match was was great for other reasons. And and just yeah, there those were uh, the, those were both. I think the emotional high point of both shows was definitely Eddie Kingston. Uh, but uh, I would particularly recommend in terms of matches the 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 tag match with uh, Mox and Homicide, Desperado and Junkasai from the night before, if only to see the audience reaction to Junkasai when he came out his first time ever in New Japan. And yeah, the uh, the junior tag match with uh, TJP and uh, Francisco Kira versus uh, the the two of the new Bullet Club goons, uh, Dan Maloney and uh, and Gabriel Kidd. And if people want to hear more of your recommendations and more of your takes on wrestling, where can they find you? And they can find me on Twitter. I am She Rants About Wrestling, which is at She Rants MTL. Um, yeah, maybe by this time next week, I'll have a, a threads address for you, but I haven't said I was that. just going to ask you if you got on threads yet. It's I signed up and it's a lot easier, especially if you have an Instagram. It's literally like just like yeah. syncing your Instagram and taking all your followers. So it's definitely, I, it's a little like odd to get used to, but I, I think it's a definitely a good platform to have a little bit of work in progress mm-hmm. but i think it's definitely in the going in the right direction yeah i think uh, i did set up uh my my instagram account it's not linked to to wrestling at all that's it's just like my personal account and i did set up uh, a threads uh account through that and yeah they they did a very good job of making sure that the learning curve is very short if you're coming in from twitter like it works very the interface is very similar even like the the like the icons that they use to show you you know what what you can do in terms of forwarding or reposting anything like that it, it's going to feel very comfortable if you're used to working on twitter um we'll see i mean the one bit where i'm i'm sort of trying to uh, to see what I can do is whether or not it's possible to have multiple accounts, because that was, that is a very mm-hmm. good thing yeah. that Twitter had going where you can manage multiple accounts through a single dashboard and that I'm not so sure about. So you we'll would see. think so. Cause on Instagram itself, you're able to do multiple accounts. So I don't see why they wouldn't allow you to do that on thread. So hopefully that's something that they will add if they haven't already, mm-hmm. but 
If you want to follow me on Thread, as well as Twitter and Instagram, the same handle on all platforms at CNOEvil, C-N-O-E-V-I-L. And Kate, you can follow her as well. And follow all of Post Wrestling's work from Andrew Thompson, Neil Flanagan, up on postwrestling.com. We have a great article up there by John Pollock talking about the history of Samoa Joe and CM Punk. And I'm sure there'll be plenty more work every day, all day, on postwrestling.com. But you can find us here next week for another episode of Collision Course. Thank you for listening and have a great night.